So let's pray, shall we? So Father, we just thank together that we can gather together, that we can be together, Lord, here in the building and at homes. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, just to come and to minister to us afresh, to plant your seeds in our heart that will grow and bear really good fruit. And so just give us an ear to hear what your Spirit is saying to us personally, God, uh, this morning in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you hadn't figured it out, we're living in troublesome times. In fact, I've been a Christian for 50 years, and the last two years, I think I've been the most difficult in ministry that I've that I have experienced and and just talking to other ministers around the place they they're all feeling the same thing because uh we're doing things uh to be obedient to the law but at the same time we've got part of our church families that are, are not with us and so that's that's really really difficult but um I'm convinced though that God's got a plan that in the midst of everything that's happening God isn't surprised. He saw this. He saw this. The, the plans that he has for us are still plans for good, to give us a future and a hope. But one of the things that I've become aware of is that we have to work diligently to partner with God to see those plans and his purposes come, come to pass. When I think of God's plans, when I think of our destiny, when I think of inheriting uh, God's promises— my mind turns back to Joshua and the situation that he and the children of Israel faced. Um, of all the events in the Old Testament that symbolized and, symbolized and fulfilled the plans and promises of God for the nation of Israel, none are more significant than Israel coming out of Egypt and coming into the promised land. And if you know the history there, you'll know that Israel had blown their first chance uh, to come into the promised land, and they ended up in the wilderness for 40 years. But God gave the nation a second chance. Aren't you pleased that God's the God of the second chance? Yeah, aren't you pleased that he's the God of the third chance and the fourth chance <laughs> and the like? Uh, because we, we all need that. that uh, we can learn so much um, from that situation this morning. It's interesting that only Caleb and Joshua, of those that came out of Egypt, uh, survived to go into the promised land. And so I'm going to read uh, a number of passages from Joshua chapter 1 this morning. And I'm reading from the NIV, and you can follow me on the screen behind. Um, and I'm not reading all the verses, but just selected ones that give the uh, gist of the story for us this morning. So it says, in Joshua 1 verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, my Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. What a great promise that is, isn't it? That God never leaves us all forsakes us. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. And then uh, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. 
After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Verse 15, Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. God had birthed a dream in the hearts of the children of Israel that they would have a land that they could call their own, a place where they're not wandering aimlessly, but a place where they could be the people that God had called them to be. They knew that they had no way of coming into that dream and seeing it fulfilled except through the guiding and the leading and the miraculous intervention of God. They received the promise. They expected God to work miraculously on their behalf, and he did. Uh, dreams and visions are birthed in us by the Holy Spirit, but their fulfillment always takes us partnering with God and most often will take a miracle. So if we are to walk into the destiny and the plans that God has for us, there are a number of things that we need to do to provide a platform for those dreams, those plans, those visions to take place. And the first thing that I see from these verses that we need to do is let go of the past. The very first thing that God says to Joshua in this passage is, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross over. Now, of all of the people in the Old Testament, Moses is amongst the, the tops. Deuteronomy 34 verse 10 says, Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. But irrespective of how great Moses was, God says to Joshua, he's dead. Now, you get ready to cross over. And Joshua had to realize that this was a new era. This is a new season. And he had to let go of the past. And he had to be, be prepared to do things differently. It's interesting. Joshua... If he was normal, along with Caleb, would have had hurts. He would have had grievances in his heart. Joshua didn't deserve to spend 40 years in the wilderness as a result of other people's sins, out of, as a result of other people's mistakes, as a result of other people's decisions. But if he was going to inherit God's promises, he had to let go of those things. He had to move on. 
And if you and I are still holding on to stuff uh, in the past, we won't be able to take hold of what God has for us now and in the future if we're still holding on to stuff in the past. Yes, we should learn from the past. How many know it's easier to gather wisdom from other people's mistakes than from our own? Far easier. I want to learn that way, all right? Um, Hindsight is a wonderful thing. The reality is we have to let go. And the things that I'm finding is that the mistakes I've made made over the years are actually nowhere near as big as some of the mistakes that other people have made. Um, How many people here would love to have thought 10 years ago, oh, I need to buy another house. I'll just, uh, I'll just borrow as much as I can and just buy, buy another house somewhere, anywhere. doesn't have to be in Auckland, <laughs> anywhere. How many people would have thought that would have been a good idea? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when you're thinking about that, think of this guy. His name is Art Linkletter. He's a famous broadcaster in the United States. And I was reading um, one of his interviews in the years before he died, and he recounted to the interviewer uh, a situation that occurred to him in the the 50s, the beginning of the 50s. He said his friend, Walt, took him out 25 miles out of the city, uh, out to a place where uh, Walt said he was going to build a park. And um, he told Art his dream that at this park, people would come and spend their holidays and and all the rest, and, and Art's thinking, nobody in the right mind is going to travel 25 miles out of the city just to go to a park. Uh, and Walter said to Art, well, look, I've got enough money to do the main project. He said, but, but I brought you out here because I want you to buy up all the land around the area that I've bought because one day that's going to be filled with motels and hotels and everything else. And uh, Art said to himself, oh, no, no way this is going to happen. I just can't see it. So anyway, he politely turned down his friend. And Walter Disney went ahead and built Disneyland. And Art Linkletter missed the opportunity to buy up property, which today is worth billions and billions of dollars all the way around Disneyland. We have regrets. We've all made mistakes. Uh, People have hurt us. We've hurt others. Need to let them go. We can't live our lives in the shadow of yesterday. With Jesus' help, we can let go, ask for forgiveness for our mistakes and our missed opportunities, and offer forgiveness to those that have hurt us. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, he says, Brothers, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, forgetting what is behind, and reaching forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That is a great scripture, and that is a, a great a piece of wisdom for us in these times. There's a lot of things that we have to let go of and get on, focus on Jesus, and move on. Uh, 1 John 1 verse 8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not 
in us. In other words, every one of us have blown it from time to time. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that even though we've blown things badly, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and we tell him that we are sorry and we want to do things differently, he forgives us. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keeps our hearts and our minds focused on him. That is absolutely amazing. I read a neat story the other day. In the mid-80s, the three greatest operatic stars were the three tenors, Jose Carreras, Luciano Pavarotti, and Blasito Domingo. But at that time, the world never, ever heard them sing together because Domingo and Carreras were bitter rivals. In fact, they were enemies. Carreras came from the Catalans. Domingo came from uh, Madrid. And the political rivalry spilled over into their careers to the point that both singers stipulated in their contracts that they would never, ever accept a contract where the other person was invited also. That's how bad it was. In 1987, Carreras was diagnosed with leukemia, and he was given a one in ten chance of survival. His fight against cancer became all-consuming, and although he had a reasonable fortune, he used it all on treatments in the United States and bone marrow transplants, but still was not recovered. Then he discovered an organization called the Hermosa Foundation, uh, which was dedicated to helping leukemia patients. He applied. He received assistance. The assistance worked. He survived. And he was actually able to resume his singing career. So a few years later, wanting to contribute uh, and give back to the Hermosa Foundation, he researched its origin. And to his amazement, he found that the founder and president and benefactor of the foundation was none other than his great enemy, Placido Domingo. He later found out that Domingo had created the foundation solely to look after Carreras. Deeply touched, Carreras interrupted one of Domingo's concerts. He humbly knelt at his feet and thanked him publicly and asked for his forgiveness. Domingo helped him stand, and with a huge hug, they sealed the beginning of a great friendship. Then the world Heard them sing together. How good is that? How good is that? It was an act of great sacrificial love that broke the back of their bitterness and unforgiveness. You know, Jesus loved us so much that he sacrificed 
and died for us. He paid for our forgiveness. And through him, he enables us to forgive. He doesn't ask us to do anything that we can't do without his power. He gives us the power. He gives us the wherefore with all to be able to forgive. Uh, Jesus has taken all my sin, my hurts, people I've hurt, my grievances, and given me his love, his joy, his peace, his forgiveness. In fact, the Bible says, if at all possible, live at peace with all people. At this time, it's really, really important that as best as possible, we live at peace with even with those who will stand out and protest, even with those that will try and shout you down, even with those with completely differing opinions. As best as possible, try and be a peacemaker. And I want to say it's harder for some of us than for than for others, but try. And you have to say, God help us. God help us. You might have noticed that um, after the first song, I went outside uh, and I tried to make peace. It wasn't received, but at least I tried. And so we need to be doing that as best as possible. God said to, to Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. Now you cross the, this Jordan to the land I've given you. Give Jesus your yesterdays so you can begin to live for him today. Secondly, expect miraculous help for today. What's your expectation of God this morning? Is there a cry in your heart that says, God, I need to see you move in my life? I think one of the verses that I've got uh, written down in my iPhone and iPad is Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably, or in the um, Living Bible it says, far exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even imagine. He's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. I am a candidate for a miracle. How many others are a candidate for a miracle here this morning? Yeah, we need it. Because because I expect God's help in my life and in my circumstances. We weren't made to do life alone. We were created to do life with God. And if ever there was a time where we need God to move in us personally, in our church, collectively, in our city, in our nation, It's got to be now. And my heart cry is the last prayer that I prayed at at our combined staff church unlimited prayer meeting was, God, move by the power of your Holy Spirit in this nation. You see, it's not a government mandate that's going to fix our nation and keep us safe. It's going to be God moving by the power of his Holy Spirit. And we need that. And I want to encourage you to make that part of your daily prayer God, move. Let the land of the long white cloud 
be the land of the Holy Spirit. Let people want to come into our nation because there's a move of God happening, not just because it's COVID-free. God, stamp your seal of authority on us, on our church, on our city, on our nation. Amen? Christianity isn't just a list of rules and regulations. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with the creator of the universe who wants us to know him just as a child grows to know his father. Our relationship with God in itself is miraculous, of course. And because of that relationship, I know that God's for me. I know he's interested in me, that he loves me, that he's got dreams for my life, and he's going to help me come in to those dreams. I know that he's working supernaturally on my behalf many times. I don't recognize what God's doing till after the event. All through the word, we see God working miraculously. 2 Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he might strongly support those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So if your heart's committed to God, that verse tells us that God is committed to you. He's looking for you. He's looking for situations. He's looking for circumstances where he can support you. He's looking to drop into your mind words of wisdom that will lead you through the situation that you are facing today. And God can bring us through all of these situations. All my Christian life, I've experienced the miraculous hand of God, guiding, leading, healing, forgiving, providing, and you can too. But one thing that I've tried to do besides letting go of the past and expecting help for today, I've tried to listen and see what God is doing and blessing and so flow with that. My grandsons, uh, who are 10 and 8, have been learning to surf. They so enjoy that. And if you've ever watched surfers, uh, you'll know They don't create the wave. They watch for the wave. And they position themselves to catch the wave when it forms. And similarly, we have to do that with the Holy Spirit. We have to listen. We have to watch. We have to follow. Uh, We have to obey. Because we haven't been this way before. None of us can see what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know. But God is in our tomorrows already. I often uh, like the analogy of God being at the center or the hub of a wheel. And we're on the outside and it's sort of the wheel of time. And while we're at a point on the rim, God is at the center and he sees the beginning from the end. He knows what's coming up. He knows what's been. And we can trust him in that. The key to Joshua's success was not just that God was guiding and leading him, but that Joshua would listen and obey. And if we're going to experience God's miraculous working power in our lives, 
in our situations, then we need to be a people who have a heart after God above all else and who are determined to hear what God is saying in every situation. Wisdom is the ability to hear and obey God's voice. Okay, you remember in the Old Testament where Solomon asked God for wisdom? Well, the, the Hebrew word that's used for wisdom there is translated to hear and to obey. So he was asking God, give me an ear to hear what you're saying and give me the heart, the courage to obey uh, what I hear you say. God wants us to hear his voice. And that's so important today as there are so many voices out there. So many voices. I've never been in a situation where there is so much discernment needed as to what is right and what is wrong. You go onto the internet to get the news and you have to say, is this article right or is this article wrong? I... I get various Christian publications, um, Charisma, uh, Christianity Today. And I picked up the Charisma the other day. Uh, this is the e-version. And I started reading an article and I thought, this is rubbish. This is absolute rubbish. How do people believe this stuff? And, and this is a well-respected Christian Magazine, you need discernment. You need wisdom to know what is right and what is wrong. And speaking of wisdom, James says, wisdom from heaven is first peaceable. And one of the tests of whether the wisdom that you're getting is from God is, do you have peace? Does it bring peace into your situation because wisdom from above is first peaceable first peaceable and you will know that when God speaks to you uh, there will come a peace okay and the last thing that I want to just speak today is that apart from everything else if you want to see God move in your life, consecrate yourself and respond to his voice in faith. Let's have the musicians come, please. Joshua 3, 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things amongst you. Consecrate simply means to surrender yourself afresh to God. It's affirming his lordship over your life. What a great thing to do as we start 2022, gathered together. Consecrate yourself to God afresh. Surrender afresh to God. Say, Lord Jesus, I give myself afresh to you. Please have your way in me. Guide me and lead me.